I really don't think this is so smart. A young woman no older than 21 said. The fear and anxiety rang clear in her voice. I'll be fine, a male voice responded. He took her soft, delicate hand in his and kissed it gingerly. It's nothing more than some locals who want to scare an out-of-towner. I'll do this tonight, and I'll be back at the dorm by tomorrow afternoon. His voice was self-assured, confident. He knew he had nothing to worry about. Sadness filled her eyes. I'm local, remember? I grew up hearing about this place. It scares the hell out of me. Clay, please don't go. Tears began to form in the corner of her eyes. I have to, Courtney. He dropped her hand, feeling himself becoming annoyed. If I don't, I'll be ridiculed until graduation. I don't believe in any of this crap anyway. You don't have to. This place... It's just evil. Are you going or not? Another male asked. He and his two counterparts sat, leaning against the trunk of the car. Shut up, Dale, Courtney snapped at him. Her curly brown hair fell into her eyes and she blew it aside. I'm trying to talk him out of it. Do what you want, Dale replied, his smile wide, baring his crooked teeth and spit. A small brown trickle of tobacco juice slid down his chin. But we're about to leave. You can come back to campus with us, take Lay's car and leave him stranded, or take that walk through the woods and stay with him. The choice is yours. Corny turned back to Clay. Her green eyes were pleading with him, begging him to call off this bet. There's no changing your mind, then. Clay merely shook his head. She nodded in understanding. Taking his face in her hand, she kissed him passionately. I expect you to call me as soon as you're back in your car and on the way home. Clay smiled. Yes, ma'am. He looked up at Dale. Where is this place? Dale stood, followed silently by his lackeys, walked to his car door and opened it. Pointing over the roof of his car into the darkening woods, he said, Walk straight that way, you'll see it. He sat in the driver's seat. A moment later, his engine roared to life, the exhaust forming a cloud on the dusty road. Courtney walked to the car. Taking one last distressed look at Clay, she got in the car. From the rear window, she watched as they pulled away. Clay forced himself to turn away and looked into the forest ahead. The setting sun cast eerie shadows throughout. The last hints of autumn sun, low in the sky, peeked through the near-empty branches and seemed to set the trees aflame. Fallen leaves rustled and cracked on the ground as some unseen animal scurried about. A chill went up his spine. With a deep breath, he stepped into the thick of trees. He listened to the leaves crunch as he stepped closer to his destination. The forest was silent, void of any bird or insect calls. From above, a wind rose, howling through the branches high above. As the last rays of light began to falter, he pulled out his flashlight and switched it on. The howling wind continued, adding fuel to the ominous settings. 
Calm down, Clay, he said aloud, as he felt his nerves begin to rattle. It's just a series of creepy events fueled by those hicks and their ghost stories. Nothing more. After walking for almost 20 minutes, the building finally began to come into view. The pea farm an old abandoned prison just outside Shreveport. Supposedly, according to Dale at least, this place had housed violent criminals back in the early 1900s and had been closed in the 60s or so. The lesser offenders worked fields during the day and stayed in smaller buildings by the side, leaving only the most disturbed and violent to the main building. Dale had went on to say that the basement contained an old electric chair, one that was powered by a hand crank. He dismissed this last fact as pure fiction. One of Dale's underlings, Mac or Mike or Max, he couldn't remember the kid's name, said that the owners of the land couldn't sell it because of the large number of bodies that had been buried throughout the yard. This he had also dismissed as a fallacy. What he saw now, he didn't find impressive. He lifted the camcorder in his hand, a small Sony with a built-in hard drive and a battery that claimed to last two days, and switched it on. This was his means of proof that he'd stayed the night. No one, including Dale, was willing to stay with him as a means of verification. The red light flickered on, and the small LCD screen jumped to life, casting a pale light on Clay in his surrounding area. He passed the lens over the dilapidated building and then turned it to himself. Is this it? He said to the camera. Seriously? I thought you said this place was scary. I'm going to walk around outside a bit. Maybe explore the smaller buildings. And then I'll go into the main one. He smiled. So, come along as I take this trip, he said, giving his best version of a television narrator. Walking around the main building, camera in hand, the smaller housing quarters came into view almost immediately. They were small and unimpressive, more like boarding houses than prisons. He supposed that was why the lesser criminals were kept there. They were the trustees of sorts. The buildings were overgrown with vines and other foliage, now dying as autumn pushed on. A tree had fallen through the roof of one of the houses, bringing down two of its walls with it, leaving nothing but a pile of rubble, broken brick, and twisted, rusted metal. Clay walked up the steps to the other intact building. The windows were covered by a frame that once held bars, long since cut away for some unknown reason. Placing a hand on the door, he pushed it open. He winced as the door screeched and whined as the rust on the hinges scraped against metal. The scent of stale air and dusk struck him as he walked inside. What little moonlight there was outside was absent within the building. The darkness pushed against its flashlight, threatening to envelop and consume him. Dust flitted upon the air, then wafted back toward its resting place. Vines hung from above, almost threatening to wrap him up and strangle him should he become entangled within. Broken pieces of plaster covered the floor, while some hung precariously from the ceiling above. I'm telling you now, Dale, he spoke to the camera. 
If I get tetanus, poison ivy, or even rabies from some woodland creature, we'll have a serious problem. He began to feel an eerie feeling of being watched. Another chill ran up his spine as he continued to trek further into the building. As the minutes ticked away, he began to feel the effects of the stories he had been told. Despite his skepticism in the supernatural, his mind reeled at the endless possibilities at what lie just beyond the scope of his light. He shook the thoughts from his head and pushed on. There was no chance in hell that he was letting those bumpkins get over him. Clay turned to the side, shining both the light and the camera into various cells as he passed them. Water dripped from the ceilings, which hung low under the weight, and splashed softly into puddles collected on the floor. The cell bars had rusted and oxidized, leaving them a greenish tint. Small cots bolted to the floor and wall held ripped mattresses, stained with water, mildew, and God knew what else. Paint bubbled and peeled away in flakes from the brick walls. A thump from above caused Clay to jump. He turned the light and camera, it was now habitual to turn them in unison, toward the ceiling. Small clouds of dust puffed from the broken plaster. Another thump, another puff of dust and falling debris. Clay looked to the camera. So, you left someone here to try and scare me. He quickly made his way to the end of the hall and turned up the stairs. Once on the stairs, he slowed his pace, trying his best to remain silent. Switching the camera to night vision, he clicked off the flashlight and shoved it into his pocket. Through the LCD screen, he viewed the world in shades of green and black. He had to admit to himself that he didn't care for it. The darkness had closed in around him. He could feel its weight crushing him, threatening to squeeze the very life from him. At the top of the stairs, he panned the camera around, trying to find the would-be prankster. The room appeared to be empty. Not satisfied with this, he began a slow trek down the hallway. The floor was full of holes, results of water rotting the interior of the building. He almost screamed as a flash crossed across his camcorder screen. He quickly pulled his light from his pocket and passed it over the room. There was nothing to be seen. <laughs> it had been merely his imagination, he finally decided. He inhaled deeply, trying to regain his composure. <laughs> he almost lost it there, he told himself. A thump from beneath his feet caused him a small yelp to escape from his throat. He could feel himself becoming annoyed with the situation, with Dale and his friend's little antics. Had Courtney been involved? She left with them. It would take several hours to drive to the LSU campus to drop her off and then drive back to play these games. He'd only been alone an hour. Maybe an hour and a half. That meant she had to be with them. He felt anger surging within him. Maybe her begging and pleading was just an act meant to rile him up, jingle his nerves. Maybe... She was just another local that liked to play tricks on the out-of-staters. Another thump 
on the floor snapped him back to the present. This one's so hard, he felt it in his feet. Clay turned and ran toward the stairs. He was determined to catch whoever it was, then give them more than just a piece of his mind. Suddenly, a blood-curdling scream sounded out, freezing him in his tracks. After a moment, he continued down the stairs. He swept the light across the room, frantically searching for the mischief maker. The room was empty. Another scream pierced the still night air. It felt like it came from everywhere at once. Clay felt it in his bones. A third scream, this one from upstairs. No way, I was just up there. It was empty. He began walking toward the door, trying to think the situation through. Speakers. It had to be. Maybe wired batteries? He looked down into the camera once more. Screams were a nice touch. Hemi freaked out for a second. Still not biting, though. He exited the building and continued to venture further around the side of the main prison complex. Behind the prison, acres of fields sat open. They were wildly overgrown after years of no attendance. This must be the farmland. Off to the right, he noticed a stone structure. He slowly made his way toward it, trudging through the almost waist-high grasses. The moon was now high in the sky, casting its wane light through the open area. As the structure grew near, it began to take shape. The structure was no structure at all. It was a stone wall that stood about chest-high. A gap of almost three feet was toward the front, with an arching sign that read, Potter's Field, in rusted steel lettering. Using his light, Clay walked amongst the headstones, which were crumbling and weather-beaten. Most of the names and dates were ineligible, worn away by decades of wind and rain. Some of them had fallen over, a product of the constant rain and shifting earth. His mind began to conjure up images of zombies rising from the soft earth beneath his feet. <laughs> and all at once, Clay decided that he didn't want to be in the cemetery. He turned and quickly walked toward the entrance. He felt something brush against his skin, something cold, almost icy. Goosebumps jumped to his skin immediately. He turned the light toward the direction, but saw nothing. The night had grown cold, that was all. He noticed that he could now see his breath on the air as he exhaled. Suddenly, there was another scream, so loud that it hurt his ears. Clay knew that it had come from beside him, although he was alone. He felt the icy feeling on his skin, followed by a slight pressure in his mind's eye. He visualized the grip of icy fingers around his arms. Dead fingers. He screamed. No longer able to control himself, he ran. He headed around the prison complex, sprinting as fast as he could. He panicked, mind barely registering the heat rise as he fled the cemetery. He knew that he'd walked straight into the prison from his car, so if he ran straight out, he'd be back where he started. Leaves crunched beneath his feet as he ran. 
Small branches and briars tore at his face and arms. His legs ached and his lungs burned. His body cried out for relief for just a moment's rest. Yet, he continued to run. He dug within himself, trying to call up every ounce of reserve strength that he could muster. All around him, he heard the crunching of leaves as if some unknown assailant was in pursuit. This caused further panic in his mind, driving him forward. At several points during the exercise in panic and self-preservation, Clay could feel the icy pressure on his neck and back. Catching his foot on a tree root, Clay collapsed to the ground. The camera and flashlight flew from his hands. The flashlight spun in the air, casting ominous shadows all around him. Exhausted, he lay there, trying to catch his breath. His palms burned from the skin that had torn away from them. He slowly picked himself up off the ground. have to be close to the road by now. As he looked up, his eyes widened in horror. Before him stood the prison complex. He knew that it should have been far behind him. A small squeak escaped from his throat. It was all he could manage in his terror. He bent and picked up the flashlight and camcorder, which was now smashed. He dropped it to the ground and turned, prepared to head toward his vehicle once more. Another scream. This one from right behind him. Without thinking, he turned and ran inside of the prison. He doubted that running into the woods again would have accomplished anything anyway. He was trapped here. He burst through the door, causing wind to stir up thick layers of dust that had settled over the years. He looked around frantically. The brick walls were covered in graffiti. Paint, long since peeled away, plaster lay on the ground, collapsed from the roof and walls. Spiderwebs hung from every opening, filled every corner. He leaned against the door, desperately trying to catch his breath. And the door suddenly began shaking uncontrollably behind him. The hinges rattled. The wood creaked and splintered. Clay ran down the hall, silently praying for it to end. He ran to the stairs and stopped. The image of a person, translucent in the pale moonlight that shone through the barred windows, stood at the top looking down on him. He blinked and it was gone. It was enough to dissuade him from taking the stairs, though. He continued through the prison, his panic causing him to turn randomly. He finally stopped. Looking around, he became acutely aware that he was now lost within the confines of the prison. Metal began to creak and moan as the cell doors began to close, slamming shut loudly. Too scared to move, Clay waited until the activity had ceased. All was quiet within the prison once more. All except the swell of air. A breeze, a very light breeze, blew through the hallways and then returned. Clay got the distinct impression that the building was breathing. He tried to push this ridiculous thought from his mind, but it latched on and would not surrender its hold. He 
He walked down the halls, trying to remain calm and reasonable. Panicking would not help this situation in any way. He needed a clear head. The feeling of being watched returned in full force. Or maybe it had never left him, and he was merely recognizing it for what it was once more. He could feel his muscles twitching and convulsing involuntarily from the fear that coursed through his veins. Sweat dripped from his pores, soaking his shirt and causing the dust to stick to his face. The salt stung the cuts and lacerations on his face and arms. He had to get his breathing under control. He was on the verge of hyperventilating. He placed his hand on the wall and leaned against it in an attempt to control himself. He jerked it away suddenly, pure horror washing over him at what he felt. It had to have been his imagination. It had to. Clay tentatively placed his hand back on the wall to reassure himself. He yanked it away quickly, wiping his hands on his pants as if he had stuck it in something. The thought of what he had touched was revolting. It was definitely not his imagination. The wall was pulsing. It seemed to expand and contract in time with the breeze, almost like lungs. The movement was slight, only really noticeable if he touched the wall, but it was there just the same. The hall was suddenly cold. It chilled the beads of sweat on his brow and caused him to shiver uncontrollably. As he exhaled, he could see his breath in puffs of gray smoke. Another scream echoed through the halls. He swung his flashlight around, searching for the source. And to his dismay, he found it. Standing at the end of the hall was a prisoner. The top of his head was badly burned, the skin charred and flaking. Small patches of dried gore sat below each eye socket, which was empty. He clawed frantically at his face with shackled hands. His movements were jerky and disconnected, almost like watching a film with frames missing in the reel. He continued to claw furiously at his face. Then he screamed once more. The metal bars rattled and dirt shook free from the ceiling in small clouds. As he screamed, he began to walk toward Clay. Small steps inhibited by the shackles around his ankles. His body twitched and shook with each step in that same disconnected, strobe-light-esque fashion. Clay ran down the hallway, frantic once more. He ran through cold spots that chilled him to the core and back into the sticky Louisiana humidity. He searched for an exit, any possible way to escape the terror that he had been subjected to. He passed a multitude of barred windows, wishing that he could use one broken glass crunched underfoot as he ran. There was no exit to be found. He continued down another hallway, stopping at something written on the wall. His eyes widened and his jaw dropped at the sight of the words. We've been expecting you. The wall suddenly cracked open, splitting from the roof to the floor like a giant jagged mouth. The crack split the 
floor open just as Clay began running once more. As he ran, the sounds of splintering wood, collapsing plaster, and shattering concrete followed him. Too terrified to look back, he kept running. No longer able to breathe, legs weak and wobbly, Clay collapsed as the crack opened up beneath his feet. His head slammed into the ground, sending a bright light across his vision. Just before he lost consciousness, he saw... He saw legs bound in shackles. Clay woke up momentarily as he was drugged down the concrete stairs to the basement. He felt his head slam into each step as he descended. Stars flashed before his eyes with each successive blow. The darkness closed over him once more. He groggily opened his eyes. He felt as though his head were going to explode. His face was on fire from where he had connected with the floor. He felt the warmth of his blood running down the nape of his neck from the repetitive strikes against the concrete stairway. He tried to raise his hand to check his wound and found that he could not. The instant fear cleared the remaining cloudiness from his mind. Looking down, Clay noticed that both of his hands were strapped down. He tried to move his legs, only to find that they too were strapped down. He attempted to look around, but something prevented it. He cast his eyes upwards. He was just barely able to see the metal headband that circled his forehead. Suddenly, he heard a whirring sound. It was the sound of a small lever being wound. Everyone, cutting in here real quick to tell you about the Graveyard Shift with Mr. Davis. It's my podcast. It's every video on the channel, but it's just audio. It's an audio-only podcast. And I just recently uploaded the best of 2023 all of my favorite stories that I narrated this year are in that compilation. It's about, I think, seven hours long of the best stories from this year, and it's exclusive over there. All the links to all the different websites you can listen to it will be in the description below. Thanks for the support this year, and uh, here's to a new, more amazing year. For the past couple of weeks now, I've been noticing a few odd things in my apartment. It started off with food mysteriously disappearing from my refrigerator and pantry while I'd be away at work. I didn't think much of it at the time, since every now and then I'd lose track of my daily eating habits due to my busy schedule, so I simply brushed it off. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. Almost every night, I could have sworn I could hear shuffling sounds coming from within the walls, and sometimes when I got home late from work, I'd find both my computer and my TV turned on, even when I distinctly remembered turning them off before I left. Strangely, the TV would always be turned on to the local news, and my computer search history would show several results for nearby takeout restaurants. Needless to say, it was freaking me out a bit. The building I lived in had tight security with officers frequently patrolling the area and it was located in the part of the city where crime was pretty scarce. Considering that I'd given a couple of my friends copies of my apartment key to make sure that I wouldn't misplace them, which I often did, I thought perhaps that one of them was trying to mess with me. I was eager to get to the bottom of this, so I asked if either of them were the culprit. 
but they both vehemently denied it. And this, of course, put me on edge. So I asked my landlord to check the security footage on my floor for any suspicious activity. To his credit, he immediately began searching through two weeks of recorded footage, looking for any unfamiliar faces entering my apartment. He finished his investigation the following week and said that he'd found nothing out of the ordinary. Something to worry about, he assured me. Probably all in your head, man. At the time, I was considering the possibility that maybe he was right. Being a domestic abuse lawyer, I've had to deal with a lot of stressful cases and work overwhelmingly long hours. Perhaps the numerous caffeine-fueled nights and constant headaches were starting to get to me. On one particular snowy day, I was coming down with a nasty cold and had to call in sick for the next few days. Despite having to reluctantly waste some of my days off on such a gloomy occasion, I was still glad to be temporarily free from my hectic obligations. It was around 7.30 and I was getting pretty tired. I'd finally made it near my apartment on the 6th floor. Just got back from picking up some remedies at Walmart and was anticipating a nice long night of peace and relaxation. Just as I stood in front of the door, I immediately heard a faint shuffling in the distance. My eyes scanned the hallway for any signs of life. Nothing. Suddenly I could hear footsteps quickly creaking on a wooden surface. After listening closely, I made a chilling realization of where those footsteps were coming from. Inside my apartment. This couldn't have been one of my friends, as I'd recently changed the lock on my door due to all the strange things that had been happening. A sudden chill went up my spine because I knew right then and there that an intruder had somehow broken in. At that moment, I felt really uneasy. I wanted to run downstairs, call for help, but I knew if I left the hallway at this point, the intruder would definitely make a break for it. Being the naive young man that I was, I was determined to go inside, grab my gun, and try to apprehend whoever was inside. Taking in a deep breath, I slowly unlocked the door and creaked it halfway open. I was instantly hit with a powerful, ghastly odor that made me want to puke. It smelled like something had been decaying in there for quite some time. Ignoring it, I cautiously proceeded to the kitchen to grab the gun I kept hidden in the top drawer. I grabbed it and turned on the lights. To my surprise, the first thing I noticed were several pizza boxes and takeout bags scattered across the ceramic tiles. It struck me as rather odd because I knew I didn't order any takeout that day. I also noticed that there were food-covered footprints leading directly into the living room. Someone was definitely in here, and it looked like they were in a hurry to remain hidden from me. I slowly made my way into the living room with my gun at the ready. The footprints led right next to the boarded-up wall that was stationed on the other side of the room. There were a couple of half-broken planks in the middle of it that I hadn't gotten around to fixing yet. Very carefully, I walked toward the wall for a closer inspection. 
My heart was beating with every inch I took. I stopped walking around a few feet away from it and began closely examining it. I couldn't make out anything inside, so I moved my head in even closer to search for any signs of life. Again, nothing was completely visible, so I pulled out my phone, put it to the wall, and turned the light on. Suddenly, out of nowhere, I saw two amber-red eyes staring directly at me. My heart dropped like a rock. I quickly stumbled backwards, trying to keep my balance. A sudden rush of adrenaline swiftly filled my entire body. I quickly spoke in the most intimidating voice I could muster. If you don't get the fuck out from there right now, I swear I'll blow your fucking brains out, I exclaimed. Silence subsequently followed. I was half expecting some demented lunatic to rush out from there and attack me out of nowhere, so I prepared myself for an epic battle. Didn't you fucking hear me? I'm not messing around. Before I could finish my sentence, I was interrupted by a faint sobbing coming from within the wall. The intruder took a deep breath and spoke in a soft tone. Please don't hurt me. I'm really sorry about what I've done. The intruder replied. The voice sounded like it belonged to a frightened little girl around the age of 13. This really wasn't the dramatic response I was expecting. I lowered my gun as the tension in the room quickly shifted to that of confusion. Oh, Jesus, kid, you nearly scared me half to death. What? Who are you, and what exactly are you doing in there? No response. It seemed like my initial reaction shook her up a bit. It's okay. You can tell me. I promise I won't hurt you. I slowly backed away from the wall to assure her that I wasn't a threat. See? After a brief moment of silence, she replied once more. My name's Maple, she said in a jittery voice. I didn't mean to cause trouble. I only wanted to get away from my mean parents. Maple? pause for a minute, trying to recollect where I've heard that name before. Then it hit me. Maple was the little girl that went missing in the area several weeks ago. The media reported that she allegedly ran away from home after her parents had physically abused her last Christmas. She must have slipped into my apartment when I forgot to lock the door that day. At that moment, I felt genuinely sympathetic, mostly because I've dealt with quite a few runaways in my line of work. Poor thing must have been scared to death. I guess when I ran out of food, she decided to break into my neighbor's apartment and help herself to leftovers. She probably dropped it all on the floor and made a break for it when she heard me come up to the door. I remembered at this point there was a police car parked right outside the building. I figured that I should first try to comfort her before calling the cops over. It's okay, sweetie. Everything's going to be alright, I assured her. Just please come out so I can make sure you're okay. She suddenly stopped sobbing and became quiet. Dead silence filled the room as I anxiously awaited her response. She was almost starting to freak me out. After about a minute passed, she finally said something. Okay, because you first put that gun on the floor and come closer. 
I need help getting out. Her voice sounded slightly deeper this time. The sudden shift in tension kind of threw me off at first. I wanted to comply with her demands, but I had this strange, eerie feeling deep inside that something was off. At the time, I couldn't make out what it was, though. Giving into my paranoia, I thought it was best if I just left her there while I went to go get help. Oh, um... Actually, just wait here, Maple. I'll be back soon with the... Wait, don't go! She interrupted in a surprisingly loud and desperate plea. The sudden outburst made my whole body flinch. You can't leave me here. My ankle, it hurts really bad. I think I twisted it when I slipped on the floor. I don't think I can get out on my own. You have to get me out of here right now. This place is really creeping me out. I hesitated for a moment. Believe me, I wanted nothing more than to help her out, but there was something about her tone that made me feel like she wasn't completely telling the truth. My intuitions usually pretty good at judging whether or not someone was lying, so I was inclined to follow my gut feeling. I'll only be a couple of minutes. Hang in there, kiddo. I promise I won't be long. I quickly ran out of my apartments before she could say another word. After a brief elevator ride down, I spread across the hall, out the spinning doors, and into the freezing weather. To my relief, I found a slightly chubby officer talking to a slim partner right across the street from me. I ran toward them, eager to tell them everything that went down. Before I could make it halfway there, however, I froze. I remembered something that will forever send a chill down my spine. can't believe I didn't realize this until now. That couldn't have been the same missing girl. Because last night she was found murdered a couple of blocks away, her lifeless body discovered stuffed inside the wall of a vacant apartment. It was all over the news this morning. Struck in awe, I was left nervously wondering who the hell was hiding in my walls this entire time. I wasted no time, and I rushed to the police and frantically told them everything like a nervous wreck. At first, they thought it sounded a bit sketchy, but after I persisted for a few minutes, they were finally persuaded to follow me and take a look. Without catching my breath, I ran back to my apartment with the officers following closely behind. When we made it to my living room, I showed them where the intruder was hiding. Chubby officer told me to step back as they both drew out their guns and pointed them at the wall. This is the police. I want you to get out here right now and put your hands on the ground. The officer's demands were met with silence. You have five seconds to comply or I'm dragging you out. Still nothing. The slim officer nodded, cueing his partner to go in. His partner pulled out a flashlight and slowly walked toward the wall with his gun still drawn. I anxiously watched as he made his way to the wall to put his head inside. He began thoroughly searching both sides. Did you find anything? No, it's all clear. He replied, but I can tell someone's been hiding in here. Before he could finish the sentence, he paused. He put his head in deeper for a closer inspection. Hold up, I think I see something. Judging by the surprise in his voice, I had a feeling that he was about to discover something really disturbing. I could feel it in my bones. 
What is it? His partner called out. The chubby officer took his head out of the wall and looked at his partner with a shocked expression. I think... I think I can see a couple bodies inside. Those words made my entire world turn upside down. I almost couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, are, are you sure about that? The slim officer asked. Yeah, I'm sure of it, he exclaimed. My God, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. These bodies, they look so mutilated. Just what the hell happened here? The unsettling thought that I just stood two feet away from human corpses made my stomach churn. The powerful stench of decaying flesh made me want to puke my guts out. I knew right then and there that whoever had been hiding in my walls this time was definitely not a little girl. Help me break down this wall. One of them could still be alive. The slim officer put his gun back into his holster and walked toward the wall. I watched from about 15 feet away as they both started breaking down the old planks one by one. They quickly turned off three rows of them with ease while blood started pouring out excessive amounts. Suddenly, out of nowhere, several lifeless, dismembered bodies fell right off the wall and onto the floor. My eyes grew wide with shock. Most of their flesh looked like it was violently bitten off and their mutilated faces were completely unrecognizable. The disturbing thought of the immense pain these victims must have suffered, though, was simply too much to take in. Upon taking a closer look at the type of clothes they had on, I made a chilling realization of who they were. They were all food delivery drivers from several nearby restaurants. I could barely make out the restaurant logos on their violently shredded and blood-soaked shirts. I wanted to look away from the gruesome sight, but there was something above the bodies that caught my eye. It looked like there was something written in blood on the inside of the wall. At first I couldn't make out what it said through the darkness of the room, so I slowly walked closer to read it more clearly. My body shook to its core the instant I realized what it said. You're lucky you didn't do what I asked. 